It's something that those two coaches in particular have been deliberating for a while. This has kind of been in the works uh, for a few weeks, and it always made sense for coaches who were out of the game currently that they could step in. You know, uh, I guess the next step is would a coach who's currently in the mix, currently in the NFL job, would they join this class action suit? That will be the next step. Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. LV Park here on a Friday. Aviators taking on Reno. 7 o'clock, 7.05. Fireworks night. So come on out. Awesome weather tonight. Awesome weather tonight. Adam Hill, Cofield, football frenzy. Got to throw out the uh, New York Post story that came down a little while ago before we get to the, uh, the hardcore football stuff. You know, Libby Schaff... Mayor of Oakland and uh, Mayor Goodman a little bit. Getting into it, you know, taking shots at the other city. Uh, Mayor Goodman really didn't take a shot at the other city. Uh, in, in, in kind of a backhanded way, basically saying, hey, we have a football team and people want to come here to the tune of 42 million people a year. A uh, story in the New York Post says suggests that Governor Sisolak may just block the A's from coming here. And as you go through the story, it says, listen, there's not much of an appetite for public financing. So he doesn't even want to go down that path. Uh, the writer of the story suggests that, hey, the MGM group, right, remember, wasn't really pro Allegiant Stadium, and then, you know, the pot got sweetened a bit, and then they got talked into it because, well, the claims were 75% of the people who could go to games are going to be from out of town, so you're bringing in a ton of tourists. So then MGM got in line, but... The story says, hey, Governor Sisolak could just step up and say, yeah, there's no, there's no public money here. There's no appetite for, for public money. And then the other one is um, one of the big proponents of public money for the Raiders stadium was Steve Sisolak. And I'm guessing, based on the A's-Raiders relationship from the past, that the Raiders ain't exactly keen on the A's coming here and they could be kind of flexing up, a little pumped up behind the scenes to go, yeah, we don't want them here either. Well, I, I first want to start, and, and you kind of, I think, were quoting the headline a little bit. Yeah. Nevada governor may block Oakland A's move right. to Las Vegas, sources I, say. I don't like the use of the word block. Like, it's not like he's going to stand there and there's right. going to be a deal and he's going to be like, no, 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 I'm vetoing. Like, it's not happening. Right. What Sisolak is saying in this article, according to the author of this article, is if they just want to come here, that's fine. There's not going to be any public money. No public money. And MLB, according to the article, yep. Rob Manfred has said, hey, listen, there has to be public money. Yeah, they, the, Even uh, if it's the, not the, much. The thought is that it's believed to be in the range of $275 million because they cannot have a market step up with zero public dollars because that screws everything up in the future. Right. It, it, the, the, apparently, MLB doesn't disclose this publicly necessarily, but there is a minimum public commitment now for stadiums and if you don't contribute that you can't build a new stadium you can't have a team in it sweet and that is part of hey this is setting the precedent for the other owners so even if it's not you know fully fully public or you know even half public there there is believed to be a minimum contribution from the public which i I think is as you said 250 to 275 million that says hey you need to pay at least this much in order to get a team now, could that be doable and feasible? That's a little bit more palatable than 
$750 million, uh, that they got. By the way, Oakland is already at, I think, what, $700 million on theirs for the, that they're contributing to this. So why would they take 275 and they get seven from, from Oakland for a new stadium on the waterfront? It doesn't make any sense. I, I think the A's would want a lot more than that if they were to come here. Uh, but all this is like the the block, and I've seen this all over Twitter now. Sisolak's blocking this. Like, no. What he's saying is, you, there will be no public money for this stadium, which does essentially disqualify them from coming. Yeah. But but I think everybody is kind of on board with that. Do you think you think because the the word block is in there, there are so many people who are anti Sisolak that they're now in support of public money. When I responded to someone who I guess was outraged, and I'm like, I will not vote for anyone who does support public money yeah. for stadiums. No, I, th- I think that's absolutely my, who, right. My Clark County Commissioner race, I, I voted against the guy I voted for a couple of times because I'm like, and you know what? It wasn't even he supported it. He wouldn't take a stance. Right. I'm like, no vote. Yeah. So, I, I mean, yeah, I think that there, I'd be willing to, not to I think, I'd be willing to bet right now that there are people that don't care about baseball that saw a headline that said he's blocking the A's from coming that are outraged and now want public money for the uh, A's to come. I would be you, willing to you, bet on that. You simps! What I'd are be, you doing? I'd be absolutely willing to bet what on that. What are you that. doing? It's already been proven! But that's how... It's already been proven! We will build things here without public money. The fortress was done without public money. This Lywicky Bedane plan... For a whole facility, another arena, down at LV Boulevard and Blue Diamond, at least the, the early indication is no public money. How much do we contribute as a state or a city to the sphere? Zeppo! Well, there's no team there. You suggested it could it could actually host sports, well, I which, they, I, I, think which I heard from the beginning. To. Yeah, I think they no want sports. It It's not going to happen. But you get my point. Sure. It's another 20,000-seat arena. They didn't come with their hand held out. No, no. Well, and, and again, this is this is a team thing, and, and we're seeing it. And this is the first kind of indication of, hey, this is. We know that that's how it is now. Every stadium has public contributions. That's just how it is. But this is the first indication that there is officially an unwritten rule in baseball. Yeah. That without a two hundred fifty to two hundred seventy five million dollar public public contribution, you cannot build a stadium now. It has to be. It has it, to be. Included. I mean, it makes sense from MLB standpoint, of course, but it doesn't make sense for this state and this no. city, not no. where we are right now, and what we've just you know given for publicly funded facilities. I, I think the stance from the beginning that I've had, like I would love baseball here. It'd be great. It'd I think be it'd awesome. be awesome. Um, uh, by the way, I would love baseball with a team that is going to have a payroll of one hundred fifty to two hundred million dollars. Now maybe that maybe that would happen, well, but the indicators right now ain't great. I think in order for that to happen, we're gonna have to. <laughs> they're gonna need public money to do yeah, that, which yeah. is fine. Um, but but for the beginning, it was hey, baseball. I love baseball. It's it's like my original favorite sport. I still watch all the time. I love it. I would love to have a team here. I'd probably cover it. Like it would be awesome to have it here. If you guys want to build a stadium, you're more than welcome to. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, build a sta- build a, whatever you want. You have all these pros- build a stadium. What's, what's the public contribution? No, nothing. Nothing. No. You build a stadium. If you want to be here so bad, you build a stadium. And that was never going to happen. So, which is why from day one, if you listen to the show, we've said, it is not happening. There's no appetite for more public money for a stadium. We got the Raiders. It's awesome. We're getting the Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl, all these other things. It was a ridiculous deal that New York has now surpassed. Yay, New York. It was a ridiculous deal. 
and to not get anything out of it, which, which you know, UNLV having to pay rent and not being able to play games when they want, all those things was a ridiculous deal. But it's here, and it's great. Still a bad deal, but great. Nothing for baseball. Giveaway time, 364-1100, caller 7364-1100. We'll give away a six-foot sub from Porta Subs, the uh, tailgate tray. You can get your own at 20-plus locations around Las Vegas. And don't forget, on Tuesdays, they got a uh, buy one, get 51, uh, 50% off for the uh, two-foot classic sub. Right now, 364-1100, caller 7, tailgate tray, six-foot sub. You also qualify to win a new Yeti cooler. It's all thanks to Porta Subs and our friends at Finley Volvo of Las Vegas. 364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Play ball! Seth Beer. Fly ball! Right field! It's National Beer Day! Good night, everybody! (laughs) Oh, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Seth Beer wins it on opening night. Wow! I don't believe it. Get that man a beer. You get him a double. Hanging at the LV Ballpark, it's Cofield and Company. Baseball is here. Big home run by uh, Seth Beer. Just happens to be National Beer Day the other day. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're, uh, we're getting ready for Aviators and Reno tonight at LV Ballpark. 7.05 starts. Parker Dunchy, one of the pitchers for the Aviators, is on the horn with... Uh, Steve and Adam, as he's downstairs at the stadium, how are you, sir? Doing well, you guys. How are you? We're good. We're good. good. Hey, uh, it's a, it, this is a weird way to start an interview. Let, let us inside. What are the protocols that are left now with you guys and COVID? Uh, do you have any rules you still have to follow? Um, no, they're pretty. it's pretty much back to normal, um, as normal as we remember it being. Uh, yeah, we don't have to follow anything. Like with family coming in town or, or any quarantine or that, and, Testing is only if somebody's sick, I think, or not feeling great, they have to get tested. But uh, other than that, yeah, it's pretty much back to normal. It's crazy, isn't it? Like I, I, yeah. I, I walk in places now, and I'm like, oh no, wait, where's my mask? Like I can't believe yeah. that we that it, we have two years too. For sure, it's nuts. But it's it's good to be back to this sort of sense of normalcy. You know, you can do things outside the ballpark, have sort of a normal routine, and, and uh, you know, prepare yourself in a normal way. How much do you like Las Vegas? You've been here for a couple of years, just as a city and a place to have as your home base. Yeah, no, it's an awesome place to play. I mean, first off, the the weather, you know, we don't really have to worry about rain outs. It gets a little hot in the summer, but uh, I'd rather have that than pop-up showers every every night. Um, but, yeah, Summerlin's awesome. I think it's a great location. Obviously, the fans are are unbelievable. They uh, they come out and support us and understand the game and, and pull for us, which is just makes this environment just a really special one to play. And I think one of the one of the best ones in all of the minor leagues. How tough is the adjustment uh, for a mindset as a pitcher in this league, where runs are just scored like crazy, and you got to realize like, all right, well, my numbers might not look great to everyone, but that's actually a really good start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it can it can turn quickly in this league. I mean, I've pitched here for a while and you just have to be that much sharper and you have to be that much more focused on you know never losing that attack mindset um not being afraid of contact because you know some balls are falling or some balls are going out of the yard that might not normally go out um you just have to keep trying to you know keep attacking the zone because um like brand talked about it with us the first day you know a good pitch is still a good pitch here it's a good pitch in the big leagues good pitch in single a you know um just because the result here might be affected by some factors you can't control that can't um 
that can't change your mindset, that can't change how you pitch, and you're really going to get yourself into trouble here if you let that change your, your mindset and you start getting you know, leery of the strike zone and getting in bad counts and walking guys, and then those balls that go out are now you know, three-run homers instead of solo homers, so... So you you went the college route through baseball, yep, which yep. you know there's there's different routes you could go. What what did playing college baseball do for you? I just think it, it's it's a great place to develop as a person, um, you know, and, and grow up. You know, you're 18 and you're leaving home, and you're in the same boat with a bunch of other, you know, that freshman class coming together, and you guys got to grow up. You got to, you know, have your own routine. You have more free time. You got to choose what's important to you, and. Um, really be accountable for that and i think it's a just a great place and there are a lot of there's a there's a great support system in place at wake forest you know help guys grow up and help them learn how to be accountable and learn how to you know manage their time and and manage you know their personal life and everything off the field and you know getting your work in on the field um i just think it was a it's a great place to develop for baseball definitely the facilities at wake forest were were unreal and the coaching staff i think helped me not only grow as a baseball player, but just grow up into a, a man, really. It's kind of a unique school, too, for the ACC, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's very small enrollment. Um, but, you know, it, like like I said, the, the baseball facilities they have there now, they had in my, my senior year, my last semester, um, that whole new facility was built. And uh, I think it's a first-class facility um, in all college baseball. And they're, they're putting out some really good talent. The past couple of years had some first-rounders. And, and they're developing talent there um, in Winston-Salem like uh, like all the, the top baseball programs in the country. The Aviators Pitchers is up with uh, Cofield and Company as uh, Parker Dunchy is uh, talking with us here on a Friday before the game, a 7.05 start. Uh, last thing on Wake Forest. Actually, I, I got to cover a couple of Wake Forest college football games It's a, a while ago, about 20, about 20 years ago. Uh, funny enough, I think I actually covered Phillip Rivers while he was playing college, college oh, football State, yeah. at, at Wake Forest. It's actually it's, it's turned into a pretty, considering the size of the school and all the, you know, the, the, the competition in the ACC, it's actually carved mm-hmm. out a really good niche on the football side. Yeah, they really have. They've Like you said, they have their niche They they run a high tempo offense. They score a lot of points, and uh, this year they had an outstanding year. Wish the ACC championship game had gone a little different, but uh, nonetheless, it was a great year for the decal on the football field. And Dave Clawson has just done an, an incredible job. He's found his recruiting, you know, niche like you talked about. He knows the kind of guys he wants to go after, um, and he's been able to get them to come to Winston Salem and, and develop them there. And uh, I think he's he's a great fit for the program, and hopefully, we can keep him around, and the, the football team can keep. Uh, you know, turning out eight to ten win seasons. So you mentioned uh, going back to uh, to be with the Aviators out here in Summerlin, this unbelievable park. We're sitting up here just looking over, watching uh, watching the guys take batting practice right now. But when you tell people back at home in Indiana or back in, in North Carolina, Wake Forest, that you're playing baseball in Vegas, I'm sure they have a very different view of what it is than, you know, being out here in Summerlin. But what is it like yeah. to, to experience Las Vegas? I mean, you do have Vegas. It's, I, I see it. I see the stratosphere. I see, you know, the link, everything going on down there right from where we're sitting. But, you know, you are, like, kind of outside of Vegas here. What, what is it like to be right. playing with the Aviators? Yeah, like I said, I think it's a great spot. Yeah, first, people kind of look at you sideways when you say, I play baseball in Las Vegas. They think it's a lot of bad things probably come to mind. Um, but I think that Sutherland's a, a good spot for team to be at. You know, it's a just a really nice area of the city. Um and I think it's a just a good setup in general, and it's one of the best in minor league baseball. And um, yeah, I love playing out here for sure. So, what do you have to work on this year? What's the next step for you? I think that 
something that's been big for me is just keep using my changeup, um, get more comfortable with it, throwing it to righties, throwing it in a lot of different counts, and using it to help play my fastball. And you know, the the pitching coordinators and coaches have been on me because you know, if and when I, I do get to big leagues, um, that's going to be something that's important for me. You know, as a guy whose fastball necessarily isn't isn't ninety five, it's not blazing um, velocity wise. I just need to be confident in all my secondary pitches to make that uh, fastball play up even better. Um, and I think something else that's important for me this year and, and I'm going to try to be focusing on is just limit free passes. Um, like the same, same sort of thing, you know, and I don't throw a hundred. Um, I got to do my best to stay on the attack and keep guys off base and, and just, uh, you know, keep pitch count down and get deep into games. That's kind of the things that I feel like I can bring to, bring to the table and being aggressive and limiting free passes is something that, I'm going to try to stay focused on outing to outing this year. Two seasons ago, there was there was no minor league baseball. Last year, uh, you had you had an injury that cost you some time. How how, how difficult has been kind of mentally to to be so close, but to you know to just keep kind of starting and going backwards a little bit. Yeah, after 2019, the the past couple of years really have felt like lost seasons, which kind of has been unfortunate. But it's again one of those things that's out of our control as players. You know, injuries and COVID and everything that's that's out of our control and it kind of is it was definitely unfortunate timing wise you know felt like I was moving in a good direction and then kind of had it stalled out due to you know not pitching very well last year then getting hurt and then COVID the year before that so I'm, I'm ready and excited to you know start this year healthy and hopefully put my best foot forward here in the in the beginning of the season and, and keep you know pushing the guys here and pushing to be the guy that they um, call when they need someone up there you know. What do you think about some of the changes that uh, baseball across the board is trying to bring in, like pace of play? Yeah, yeah I know we, we talked, talked about, about we talked about the pitch clock and in that they're trying to be or enforce it more this year. But it seems like it's kind of run down a lot the first the first couple games of this, this season, and not much has been said. So um, I, I like it. I mean, I I don't really ever feel like it hinders me. I like to work fast and keep the defense engaged in the game anyway. So I think it's definitely good for some of those guys who like to get off the mound and walk around, you know, between every pitch. So I think it could be something that's helpful here. Getting off the mound. But in the end, who's the bigger offender in, you know, slowing the pace of the game? Is it the pitchers or the hitters? Right, yeah. We were talking about that in the dugout. We are like, well, doesn't the hitter have to be in the box at nine seconds? And if they're not, what are you supposed to do? And it's kind of just a rule that isn't really – not 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 understood, but not really being enforced right now. But yeah, the, just like you said, and even if you wanted to continuously slow the pace down, you technically I think could just step on the rubber, look in, and then disengage the rubber and pitch clock resets. So um, I think it's a good idea. Um, like I said, I don't think it really affects me as much. I like to work quick regardless. Um, but yeah, I think it could be something. You know, they're trying to engage new fan base. You know, a fan base that likes more action, maybe not doesn't want to sit here for four hours, so I think it could be something good for the game. I can't remember what college game it was, but I saw a college hitter the other day actually called out uh, on a third strike because he stepped out of the box. He was warned, and then he's out of the wow. box, and the ump just looks at him. He's like, you're out. Wow. Like, okay, yeah, that's, that's hey. kind of harsh. That was kind of harsh, yeah, for first uh, couple months of the new rule. But, hey, but, I mean, that's, that's one way to get guys to follow the rule is to start, you know, enforcing it very strictly. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I think it's. It's interesting for sure, and uh, like, yeah, like I said, we'll see how it plays out going into you know May and June. Uh, the electronic uh, signals for pitch calling. Have, Have we, we used, used it? it? Yeah. 
no, we didn't. We haven't used it in spring training. I saw that a couple of the big league teams were using it yesterday. Um, I think it's it's interesting, and I think it's pretty efficient. Uh, yeah, I, I I think it could be something that a lot of teams go towards if they can figure out a way to make it secure because technology seems like anyone can intercept. You know, just it's a radio wave. I think so. Oh, as long as they can kind of, as long as they can avoid some of that, I think sure. they'll be willing to use it. I hadn't even thought of that. Like IT department, you have a specialist who's like, hacking, like, like stealing signals from World War II or something. Sitting, yeah, sitting I, don't, I don't know if that's possible, but I'm sure teams are definitely paranoid about sign stealing in general. So I think some teams might be leery of that aspect of it. On on the K zone, calling balls and strikes, the robot umpires. Yeah, I think they're they're implementing it uh, after the first five percent, right? Of of this season. Yeah, there's different ways to uh, to implement it and things like that. But I mean, are you are you cool with it? Because I, I know sometimes an ump might give you the corner a little bit outside, and that's cool. But then some guys might squeeze you. So uh, I guess are are you cool with just saying like, hey, this is the strike zone, and this is where it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely takes the argument out of it. Um, but, yeah, like you said, some umps you, throughout the game, throughout your start, you kind of find where they're willing to go a, a ball or so off the plate and where they're not, and then you can kind of use that to your advantage. So it kind of takes that artistic uh, aspect of the game out or that, like, flow of the game, you know, learning an umpire, the umpire, you know, establishing his strike zone, and it, it's just going to be black and white. Um, I think that, yeah, the pitchers will definitely be surprised with pitches that are called balls, and I think some of the hitters will be surprised on pitches that are called strikes because it's not going to be as much about how the catcher receives it or you know presenting the pitch as much. It's like you said, black and white. Did it hit the zone in any part of the zone? Um, it's a strike, and I think that it'll uh, raise some eyebrows maybe at times, but we'll get used to it, and, and you just have to adjust. Parker, we appreciate a couple of minutes. Good spot, yeah. real good spot, and uh, you know, not to be uh, mean to Las Vegas of the Aviators, but we hope you, you know, you're out of here pretty quickly and up to the big soon. Okay, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. There he is, Parker Dunchy, one of the pitchers for the Aviators. I'm completely fascinated by this stuff. We're gonna hit on this at 5:30. I was watching, like I said, Tigers and White Sox today, and big rally. There was there was a tech problem at some point with the uh, whatever the, whatever they used to do, you know, to do the signals. On the pitches, there was some kind of a tech issue. They they fixed it quickly, but then I started watching, and I'm like, "This is weird." It it takes a lot out of the game. Yeah. Well, what well, you don't see the catcher making the catchers. He's just got his he's got his right hand just sitting there yeah. doing nothing. I'm like, "Where are the signals?" I like it. I don't need to see that. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with it yet. <laughs> it's weird, and I hadn't even thought of the. I'm, I'm you you must have the hacking. Yeah, of course. It was one of the first things I thought of. And I was like, I wasn't, wasn't trying to make a, you know, make light of World War II, but like literally, you, you, you know, you'd freaking, it's like trying to steal signals. Yeah. The war effort. That's, you got some guy downstairs, that's his job, just. But I mean, I. Into it. You feel like it'd be, it'd be somewhat easier to figure out if teams are doing that. Um, I don't know how quickly you'd be able to, because they go pretty quick. It's like, sign, go, go. Like, it's pretty quick. A lot of changes coming. Yeah. I saw something sure. today. I, I saw a guy called out today in the uh, Tigers and White Sox. I, I did not like it. But we'll get to that at, at uh, 530. We got uh, more giveaways coming up. Uh, cool promotions to tell you about uh, coming up the rest of 
April uh, pertaining to the NFL draft. We'll get into a little more draft talk and uh, a lot more on what's going on now with the city of Oakland, the mayor of Oakland against Las Vegas, and now stories about Governor Sisolak not being pro A's. This is juicy, man. This is juicy. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Very important, of course. One of the most important things if you're going to cook fried chicken is you got to clean it. Got to clean it. Um, I'm going to make my mom's favorite fried chicken. Oh. Let's we'll get to this. Clean it with some cold water. Just cold then, water? That chicken ain't clean. That chicken's not clean. Okay. Into a Ziploc bag. And you start our batch. It's Cofield so and Company. And Where's the seasoning? With the lari salt. In the grease? In the grease. Paula. Yo, mama did this? All right. You're seasoning grease. Chicken wing, chicken wing, hot dog and bologna. Chicken and macaroni, chilling with my homies. Chicken wing, chicken wing, hot dog and bologna. And cooking and social media is a disaster. Or it can be really fruitful. People just crush you when you get it back, when you get it wrong. That was and it was a little hard to hear, but that there's a video that's gone viral from the beginning of the week. What's this lady's name? Paula Patton. Paula Patton? Dramatic pause, sorry. Uh Paula Patton? Cooking wings. Someone's reacting to I thought her. It was fried chicken in general. They were wings in this case. Okay. But, I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. And just getting dragged for, one, not cleaning the chicken enough. Two, when she starts to prep it, she doesn't season the chicken at all before throwing it into flour. She seasoned the grease. And then when she did season it, it was in the grease, and she just starts sprinkling the seasoning all over the grease. Now, again... Ari admitted this. I will admit it. I know you will admit it. We're not cooks. No. Like, I know the basics. I did think just chucking seasoning into grease seemed a little bit weird. But I might do it without thinking. But this is a person who said, this is my mother's special recipe. So the Internet just went crazy. Oh, And yeah. then there's also, there is... We'll say a connection with fried chicken, right? That families have where they're like, hey, man, they, like, we know how to do this. Right. What do you mean this is your family secret? That sucks. And she got annihilated. Shannon Sharp mentioned it in the middle. What's her talk? What's it? Shannon and uh, Skip, whatever the show is called. And Skip's just like right over his head. He had yeah, no idea. No he was. I forget what Shannon was talking about. He was like, so, something that was obvious, right? Something in football that was, oh, no, it was the Lakers. Like, the Lakers weren't going to work. It's obvious. His lead-in is like, you know, that Paula Patton cooking that chicken. Like, I knew it wasn't going to be good. It was obvious. Onto the Lakers, also obvious. Like, well, people annihilated this woman. Then she comes back kind of in Willie Ramirez-ass fashion. And I'll explain that in a second. She's like, well, that's the way we do it entitled to do it the way they do it. like no you're not you're what? feeding kids the chicken ain't safe and it's not seasoned well, you're seasoning grease well you can actually admit my mother doesn't know what she's doing or you didn't rep her correctly well, she, i don't even i don't know this paula Patton, but every once in a while you can step back and go Ooh, you know you're kind of right the way i've been cooking this chicken is unsafe and kind of sucky 
Well, she did say, like, you have to edit the video to make it fit on TikTok, and clearly I cleaned it a lot more than I showed on the video. Okay. All right. Which would make sense. Now, as far as the seasoning thing, it would not have dawned on me. I, I would not have thought about it a second time, but when this other video, when I watched it, and they were like, you can't throw the seasoning in the grease, it just it just goes into the grease. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go into the chicken. I was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. That did make sense. I had no idea when I watched it. We I had like, a okay. case on this show on uh, Monday. Willie Ramirez, our buddy, who's he's, you know he's a good cook. He he says, "Have you ever tried anything?" I mean, it looked delicious. He made ribs, some mac and cheese, and some greens, and he sent it out. And then Mark McMillan, who you know has got grilling McMillan, Mark was like, "Yeah." It's kind of like, did you oven bake those ribs? Almost like snicker, snicker. <laughs> And then Willie fires at me because I laughed. Willie's like, where are your ribs? I'm like, I didn't, I'm not the one who said I could cook ribs. No. I'm not posting anything that I cook on Twitter. If you're Paula Patton or Willie, you're not, you're not, you're not only going to get a pat on the back. Yeah. You it, might get some hard grades. If you post something, you are then opening yourself up for the criticism. You have to. You have to understand that. If... Like you're posing because you think you did a good job, or else you wouldn't have done it. Do you do you take that attitude in general with what you post on social media in terms of letting people in on what you're doing, work or otherwise? Because I do. Yeah. Because I know the way people like they will look at a video or a picture and look at every nook and cranny of the picture. I'm like, I'm not. I I don't feel like being subjected to this, so it's not going to happen. Yeah, well, if you like, if you post something you're watching on TV, you know that people are going to post about the cords and how you know oh, yeah. how your setup is. Yeah, um, anything. If you if you post a screenshot, you know somebody's going to say charge your phone. Like the, oh, that like, one, yeah, that's a classic. That's that, I mean, that's something that always <laughs> happens. So like you have you have to understand that. I, I mean, me with social media, like I welcome any and all <laughs> just nonsense. So yeah. I'm I'm there for it. I understand that's going to happen, and I'm cool with it. Yeah, this poor lady though, she got destroyed. But Willie is a Willie's a very sensitive guy, and so like I'm not, I, if I'm not, I were saying, him, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything. If I were I already him, save this for Monday. No, this is I'm saying in a, a complimentary fashion. Market. He's, he's a sensitive guy that you know that has feelings, unlike us. So I feel like if you know that you're like that, there's some stuff you just got to keep to yourself. Yeah, you're either you can you can handle criticism to the point where you're self-deprecating. I think the, the other day I, I, uh, I saw a photo of uh, UNLV football spring practice availability and just the side shot of myself and just just the age and the beard and the fat face and the gut. I was like, oh, my God. Well, that's and, not I, and, then I, and then, I, and then I clipped it and zoomed it. Well, I was going to say, that's not you posting horrendous. it, but then when you do it to yourself, then, yeah. okay, that's, you know, that, that okay, is I'll the take change. the abuse. But if you – listen, you're, if you are posting food unironically, obviously the only time I've ever done it, I think, is ironically – if you're posting food unironically yeah. that you made, yep. you are bragging. That's what you're doing. Yeah. So you are absolutely fair game to attack. I don't even, you know what? I don't even, I, I refrain from posting restaurant food most of the time. I'll look at the picture and I'm like, you know, kind of make the place look bad. Maybe the picture, maybe the photo I took was a crappy photo. Yeah, I don't, I'm not usually a poster food person. I take pictures all the time of the food and then I just forget. Sure, uh, people. God, people do that all the time. God, I really want. There's something I want. <laughs> that was. I had some relatives in town this week. <laughs> they might still be here, so I'm gonna. You want me to do it? I'm good what? at that. What talking about your relatives? 
Well, you didn't meet them. Okay. Well, you can tell me the story during the break, and I'll act like I met them, and then look at mad at me. You gotta wait until next week. All right, all right, Ari. I'll tease ahead. Prep sheet next week. Adam relatives in town. Something he didn't want to talk about. Well, that just thin. A lot of the. Why are you gonna do this? You saw Ari fall victim to this. Taking the photos of the food. Oh, they were taking photos of the food. That's fine. What was wrong? It wasn't good looking food, or you just thought it was dopey to take pictures of the food? No, like. That's fine. Oh my god. What is he doing? Bro, that's that's an enchilada. Like. <laughs> is that what it was? They're excited about an enchilada. Like, okay. Are these your upper uh, peninsula Michigan people? No, worse. Buffalo. Or... Is there not Mexican food in Buffalo? I don't know if there is. I mean, certainly never not had good. an enchilada. Certainly not good. <laughs> it's not authentic. No, I don't. I don't think so. It was rough. Are they listening today? They could be. It's our last day here. They're awesome. I love them. They're great people. Fantastic. Is your mom listening to the same level she used to? Probably. Really? Her, her cousin or her niece? Something like that. Haven't know. they learned? They should. This is you don't want to listen to this. They were listening last weekend or early in the week. I mean, I hope could I was. I hope I was gone. Oh, early this week. Uh oh. Oh no, we got to wear it now. I got now. <laughs> no, I gotta, they're awesome. I love. I got to program them. the show for four people who might be listening. No, they're, they're great. They were awesome. I, I actually had a very good time with them. We got USC 273 coming up this weekend and two title fights, but I think Adam's going to pitch that uh, the two title fights really aren't the biggest event on the card. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. It's Cofield & Company's eye on sports gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. Have you checked to see where your guy is in the Masters? Patrick Cantlay. Yeah, not good. So well, He's fine. I mean, he, he yeah. wasn't going to change. He was done with his round, but uh, apparently the Masters is over. So, Well, the leader's out, out at 8-under, eight, eight but that doesn't mean it's over. It's over. Scotty Scheffler is 8-under, 5 ahead of Matsuyama. By the way, what did Matsuyama do with his Masters meal that sucked? Was it good or not? It was good. It was good? Yeah. It was, uh, do I have to look it up for you? No, it, his, his was fine. It was like a – I can't remember exactly what was all in it. There was some sushi. Um, some miso. It, it looked like it was very good. It miso. Was, it was the uh, throwback to uh, to Bubba Watson. That was a disaster. Cause, what was that? Because they, they were talking about. Uh, um, it was Adam Scott that was asked, "Hey, what's you know, what do you think of Matsuyama's meal?" And he goes, "It's great." He goes, "But of course, anything's better than Bubba Watson twice with the most vanilla meal of all time." It was. Uh, I can't. I can't remember what he had. I know he had vanilla ice cream and confetti cake was the dessert. He had like a Caesar salad. And then, God, it was just something very plain. Oh, uh, just a chicken breast. What do you mean, just a chicken breast? Just a normal, regular chicken breast. It's fine. It, it sounded like a fine meal. Something I would eat, as other people pointed out, something I would eat like on a Tuesday night. Matsuyama <laughs> appetizers, sorted sushi, sashimi, chicken skewers. Uh, let's see, a miso glazed black cod. Yeah. I mean, a Miyazaki Wagyu? Yeah. All right, let's go. Yeah. Right? That's good. Japanese strawberry shortcake. Sounds delicious. Oh, my God. 
Bubba Watson shouldn't be allowed to play in the tournament yeah. anymore. Caesar, traditional Caesar salad, entree of grilled chicken breast with a side of green beans, mashed potatoes, corn, macaroni and cheese served with cornbread, then confetti cake and vanilla ice cream. The most bland, plain meal of all time. And he did it twice. So he heard the criticism the first time he won, came back with it again. You know, beneath all that blubbering that he does, he really is a jerk. For having that meal? Yes. I mean, it's a fine <laughs> meal. It's boring, though. It's incredibly you, boring. I'm sure you have some some of the greatest chefs in golf. Chicken breast. I don't know. By the, by the way, if you, you, know, you watch enough of the cooking shows, like most chefs just bristle at the ask for chicken breast. Like it, sure. Like work the thighs. But even it's tastier. green beans, mashed potatoes, and corn. Dude, what are green you doing? Green beans. Well, green beans are delicious. But, but they, they gotta, you gotta, you gotta dress them up a little bit. Yeah, this something. Is, this is insane. Now, Matsuyama nailed it. Anyway, Matsuyama's three under. Uh, Schwartzel three under. Tiger. Who? Kevin Na. All right, Las Vegas guy. Uh, two under. Tiger fought back from three over overall. I don't think he got any lower than that, but uh, finished at one over. Shot a 74 today, so that bet we were talking about early in the show, over under 73.5, over with a 74. So, oh boy, Scheffler, I was looking up where he's from to see what he might serve. You're already looking ahead to his meal? He's from Jersey. Ooh! There's also, some possibility. He also went to Texas and lives in Dallas, so. Well, I mean, then you, you get some Texas barbecue, you get some brisket. I think he goes Jersey, like a Trenton pie. A Trenton Trent pie, yeah. Trenton pizza pie. Yeah. Okay. The tomato pie? Well, what part of Jersey, though? I don't know. i got to look uh, it up. Ridgewood. Huh, North Jersey. Ah, so just uh, the gabagool? Sure. You can, do it. you can do an Italian hot dog. Sure. Yeah, you can do that as well. <laughs> I think it's really good. We'll have to come up with this menu. It's got to sure. be some pasta there. Sure. I'm not sure what Scheffler is from a, a background standpoint. We'll have not to look sure. that up. So this is a lock. It's done. Are you betting it? What, what is he, like minus 8 million? Five-stroke lead. It, the, the value's kind of gone if, from Scheffler. If you were him, would you would you write out your menu? Or would you be like, wow, that's a bad jinx? I would eat tonight whatever I plan on serving next year at the <laughs> at the winner's dinner. Uh, listen, Major League Baseball drives me nuts at times. It, it just does. And we're going to get into that. You know, more suggestions to kind of liven up the game. We were just talking to one of the pitchers here with the Aviators. We're hanging out at LV Ballpark today. Game tonight, fireworks night. And we were talking about pace of play. You know, some of the new ideas, and I do like that they're embracing some new ideas. I will say as, as nuts as Major League Baseball and Manfred uh, push me over the edge often, I, one of the, I'm, I guess I'm an old nerd this way, but it's also gambling because it's fantasy baseball. I do miss looking at box scores. That's such a nerdy thing to say. You don't have box scores on your phone? I do, right here. I'm not, I'm not talking about the agate page. I'm saying on my phone I miss – during the offseason. Oh, okay. No, during the offseason okay. I miss because, I, you know, I, 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 I'm a weirdo. I also won't look in, in game because I want to be surprised afterwards. <laughs> not, not me. I watch it during the game. Like I, I looked early and I realized, you know, uh, the Phillies, uh, you, you know, before the game was over, um, early on Bryson Stott didn't have a hit, but he finished with two, right? Two hits on RBI. That's awesome. Look good. Now, I, I, I mean, for me, I like to check the box score and see that, oh, Justin Turner's over for 2. Oh, no, he's over for 3. Now he's over for 4. And now he's over for 5. That's wonderful. What's the problem? Did you bet some individual no, prop on Justin Turner? No, I kept him in our league. and now like, Everything's well, fantasy. Everything's of fantasy. Of course it is. Yeah, Phillies win 9-5. I 
against the A's. We'll get you more details on the other games as uh, there's about eight finals in. Dodgers won as well. They win their opener. As uh, Craig Kimbrell is going to be really interesting. What do you think of Kimbrell? They make the late trade for him, bolster the bullpen, and I hear everyone saying, you know, hey, they, they got the closer. And if you watch the White Sox last year and, you know, a little bit of the Cubs, Kimbrell is good, but he's not, he's not like a 90% of the time closer. He's, he's white Kenley Jansen. He kind of is smaller yeah. white Kenley yeah. Jansen. Like yeah. he, he, his stuff, he still throws hard, but there are games where he can get destroyed. And every game's a heart attack. Too. And every game, yeah. and he gave up a run today up 5-2. Every, every ninth thing is freaking up and down. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.